Now, uh, and John, we're going to turn, first of all, to John chapter 3. John cha- yeah, John chapter 3. And we're going to read some of the most um, important and familiar verses in the Bible. Uh, Brother Hilton uh, talked about this a while ago when he was here. He talked about John 3.16 being put on placards at football games. Anybody ever see that? They, somebody hold up a John 3.16 sign at a football game. It's not happening nearly so much anymore, but it used to happen all the time. And so, you know, I, I will take exception, not exception, but I will... Uh, adjust something Brother Hilton said. He said, people went home and found that in their Bibles, and everybody knows what John 3.16 says. Well, the problem that we're facing here in upstate New York, in central New York, in the Northeast, half the people know. 90% of the people that you meet won't have a Bible. Come on, am I, am I right? They don't know where... Uh, If they ever had one, they don't know where it is. Their parents probably didn't have one. We are looking at three generations at least of people who primarily were never churched. Amen? So there's something else. We're going to have to do something else. But at any rate, John 3, uh, beginning in verse 1, this is is an interesting section of Scripture. It says, uh, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, he was one of the, 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 what the, the Pharisees were called the doctors of the law. They knew more about the Bible than anybody else in the world. And this group of people also was part of the ruling, uh, the ruling party. And uh, you have to understand that in, in Bible times, in, in, in Israel in particular, the political and the religious were all tied in together. So if you were a Pharisee, you were part of the rulers of the Jewish people. Now, at this time, they were under the Romans, but as far as the Jews were concerned, these were their rulers, and they were doctors of the law. That meant they knew the Bible up here more than anybody else in the world. The problem was they knew it up here. They had so allowed tradition. Jesus said it. Paul said it. You make, by the traditions of men, you make the power of God of no effect. And so they had so allowed the traditions of men to take over how they interpreted the Word of God. And they had they had really lost what relationship with God they had, and so their interpretation of things was was very very narrow, very very legal, very 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 much. We're going to require things of you that we don't require of ourselves. That's what Jesus said about them. He said, "You put yokes on people that you won't carry yourself." Let me tell you something: if you are involved in any circumstance where the people who are doing the preaching won't live what they preach, there's a problem. Come on now. And this was the case with the whole Pharisaical party, and so uh, there were a few of them. One of them was this guy, Nicodemus. And this man, I, you know, there's a, there's a good bit about him in the New Testament, but I kind of like to picture things. I pray, ask the Holy Spirit to show me things. And I can just see this guy, Nicodemus, because the Pharisees were trying to figure out what Jesus was all about. And I can see this guy, Nicodemus, going to these meetings and standing in the back and hearing what Jesus was saying and, and his Pharisee brother saying, well, we've got to stop this. This is, a, this is a threat to us. This is heresy. And yet people are being healed. Come on now. Uh, blind eyes are being opened. Listen, that wasn't something that was sort of a story. When you read the New Testament, when you read the Gospels, and you read about Jesus opening blind eyes, Jesus healing the sick, Jesus raising the dead, Jesus speaking words that were so powerful that that those who were listening turned to one another and said, this guy doesn't talk like those other guys. This guy doesn't speak like the Pharisees. 
This guy talks like somebody who is in authority. Hallelujah. What kind of authority? Not pharisaical authority. He was in the authority of being the representative of God Almighty. He was, he was not just the Son of God. He was also the Son of Man. What he did here, he didn't do because he was divine. He did it because he had covenant with God. That's right. Amen. And so when he spoke, it's like, this guy is saying something really different. See, one of the keys is he didn't talk about a lot of high theological things. He talked about fishing. He talked about farming. He talked about things that affected people where they were. So at any rate, Nicodemus, I can see Nicodemus leaving these meetings thinking, you know, my Pharisee brothers don't seem to like this guy, but there is something. How come these people are getting healed? And, and it, it's turning out that they weren't just fake things. They really happened. I believe that, that, and I like to say it this way, that Nicodemus walked away from those meetings feeling what Jesus said, yeah. not just hearing what he said. Are you following me? Amen. There was something so different. And so this Nicodemus, it says he went to Jesus uh, by night. And people say, well, you know, he was a coward. He went by night. He wasn't a coward. He went. He could have lost everything just by being seen with Jesus. But he went anyway. He was so compelled by what he heard and what he saw that he went to meet with Jesus anyway. Hallelujah. I think that's a pretty courageous guy. And he said to him, he came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. He says we because there were a lot of Pharisees that knew this had to be true. But you see, he came by night. You know why he came by night? Because Jesus was a threat to the established religious organization. He was a threat to pharisaical power. Can I just tell you something? He's still a threat today. Amen. Why do you think there is so much pushback against Christianity? Why do you think that media, that, that current uh, uh, education, that, that all of the stuff that's out there from the internet to the TV to whatever else you can find, most of it is pushing back against any kind of living, breathing, working Christianity because it's a threat. It's, not, it's a threat to humanistic religion, which is what we see trying to take control of the earth today. But how many know when you come up against Jesus, you lose? You know, the devil trying to come against, up, up against God. There was a war in heaven. You know how long that war lasted? About that long. Yep. <laughs> and God can't say, listen, you don't win against God. Can I give you a word of encouragement today? We win. Come on, we win. You look around, you read the news, you see the news on the, on the television, whatever, on the internet, whatever it may be. Don't worry about him, he's fine. On the internet, whatever it may be, we win in the end. Amen. Come on, somebody get excited. Amen. We win in the end. You win. In the end. You may not be winning, or you may not think you're winning now, but you win in the end. Let's continue or I'll get lost again. The, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher that come, that's come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now I'm going to just throw out a little something. Just, just, this is just a tease, okay? Why are, going to, are people going to accept 
that you are talking to them about the real God. The same reason that they accepted Jesus. We know because nobody can do this stuff. They're going to know where we are telling them about the real God because of the things that are at work in our lives. Now, part of that is our character. Part of that is our integrity. Part of that is the fact that we have peace when nobody else can have peace. Come on now. That we can have joy when nobody else can have joy. And part of that is because there are people out there that are hurting. They are sick. They are depressed. They are poor. They are discarded. We should help them in any, every way that we can, but we should not forget that we have something nobody else has. And that is the power of Almighty God. Amen. To touch their lives. Come on, somebody. Amen. All right, let me get on with this. He said, he said, we know you're a teacher that comes from God because no one can do this stuff unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, now this is a, this is a, this is a, a, a biggie in the, in, in, in the Pharisees that Jesus is talking to. And he coming to Jesus and say, you know, there's something about you. What's, what's different about you? Jesus said, most assuredly, most assuredly, very seriously, sincerely, I say unto you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, just put yourself in Nicodemus' position. It's not like that was a Jewish idea. It's not like they learned that in, in the Torah. He comes to Jesus, what, what are you all about? I mean, I, there's something different about you. What, what is it? He says, nobody can see the kingdom of God unless they get born again. <laughs> you know, we know the term, right? But put yourself in his shoes. Born again? You want me? And he says, Jesus, um, what are you talking about? Can an old guy like me go back into his mother's womb and get born again? Jesus says to him, uh, in verse 5, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. For uh, the, the wind blows where it uh, wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it goes. I, the way this is working is not the way I like it. Anyway, the wind blows and you don't know uh, where it goes or where it comes from. Uh, but can, but you cannot tell where it comes from. So is everyone, that was verse 8, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What he said is this. Nobody, what you're seeing in me, what you Nicodemus are seeing in me, Jesus, cannot even be seen, cannot be experienced, cannot be walked in unless you are born again. Amen. Amen. Does that sound like an option to you? No. You must be born again. I didn't say it. It's the red letters in your Bible. <laughs> He said, but how, how can this be? He said, unless somebody is born both of water 
and of the Spirit. Well, there's all kinds of deep, you know, discussions. What does he mean by that water and the Spirit? Well, let me just throw this one out to you. We had six children. The first step to the actual birth was my water broke. Amen. <laughs> With number one, number one was was due to be born on January first. It was Thanksgiving Day. My wife used to, well, I guess she still does, but she used to really love the Thanksgiving parades, you know. And she's in the bedroom, and I'm in the living room, and I don't love the Thanksgiving parades, but I got it on for her, and I go back and say, what's the problem? Parade's on. I think my water broke. <laughs> You're what? <laughs> I was not ready. She was not ready, but the water broke. Unless you are born of water. Listen, the human being is incubated in water. Yes. Is that not correct? Yes. So if there is no water, there is no human being. Mm -hmm. So unless you're born of water, water comes forth, then the human being comes forth. He said, for that which is flesh is flesh. He said, you must be born of water and the spirit. Yes. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. He said, you cannot see, you cannot experience, you can never understand the kingdom of God unless you are born again. What do you mean born again? You have to not only be born of water, but you've got to be born of the spirit. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. You see what I want to share with you today, what I want to get into our minds and hearts today. This is review. I understand that. Most of you know what I'm talking about. But unless we begin to fully understand the impact and importance of being born again, now things like this are being watered down by the media and some, to some degree by the church and by every other influence out there. And when you talk about born again, people say, oh, yeah, them born again. You know, them born again. No, no, no. We are born again. That makes us Christians. Mm -hmm. See, you can't go to school to become a Christian. That's right. You can't learn enough to become a Christian. There's only one way for you to become a human being. How do you become a human? Come on, this is not hard. <laughs> you got to be born one. I mean, you know, it's not like you can you can go to, you know, <laughs> you can go to Bible school, you can go to seminary and come out and go in as a chimpanzee and come out a Christian. It's not going to work that way. You can't go to Harvard as a, as, as a chimpanzee. Actually, my illustration was this way. But you can't go to Harvard as a chimpanzee and come out a human being. That's right. If you didn't go in as a human being, you ain't going to come out as a human being. Right. You must be born again. If you are not born again, you can go to every Bible school class, you can go to every theological seminary, you can understand theology, you can understand doctrine, you can understand all that stuff, but if you go into those classes not born again, you are not a Christian and you will come out not a Christian. Mm -hmm. Unless somewhere in the process you get born again. That's right, amen. See, we tend to look at these things like they're you know, part of the old country religion. They're not. 
Jesus was not talking about some optional thing. And he says, you know, like the wind blows and it, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it goes. So are those who are born of the spirit. What's he talking about there? He's not talking about where real mysterious. He's talking about the fact that what happens when you are born again is not something that's a product of outward things. We don't know where the wind comes from, but we know that it's real. It's like that when you're born again. You didn't go to school to get it. You didn't go to church to get it. You didn't change churches to get it. You can, you know, if you're not born again and you're a Methodist and you come here and you join Living Word, then, you know, you may be Living Wordian, but if you're not born again, you're not born again. And if you're not born again, guess what? You're not a Christian. Well, isn't that being a, you know, shouldn't we be more inclusive? Well, honey, I don't care, you know, how much you treat your little doggy like, I'm sorry, I know you love your dog. <laughs> I like Molly too, They're but she's happen. not human. <laughs> I look at him all the time and say, you a dog. You ain't nothing but a dog. You ain't never going to be anything but a dog. We may love you as a dog, but they're dogs. <laughs> they weren't born human. Therefore, you can't educate them and make them human. See, we need to understand this because what is it we're offering to the world around us? Are we offering a philosophy? Let me talk to you about for a moment about the nature of Christianity. What is Christianity? Well, it's a religion. Not really. Religion, let me read you the definition of religion. It is a personal or a personal set or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. I like to say it this way. Religion is the structure that grows around what we believe. There are major religions in the world and Christianity is included in one of them, but by nature, by what it really is, it was never intended to be just a set of rules, regulations, practices, rituals. It was never intended to be that. So you can decide one day to become a Hindu and, and just, you know, uh, do the rituals and do the things that Hindus do. Or you can become a Buddhist and meditate and do the stuff that Buddhists do. Or you can even enter into Judaism today as it's constituted by, by fulfilling a set of rules and regulations. You can become a Catholic by doing the things that Catholics do. You can become a Baptist by doing a lot of different things. But none of that makes you a Christian. Because a Christian, Christianity, has nothing whatsoever to do with religion. Mm -hmm. Read the Gospels. Amen. Jesus kept messing up their religion all the time. Mm -hmm. He did stuff that was totally against their religion. He healed people on the Sabbath. You can't, what's a, you can't be working on the Sabbath. And you look at them and say, if a donkey, if your donkey fell into a ditch, would you get it out? But you condemn me because I'm healing a person on the Sabbath? You don't understand. He said Jesus said the Sabbath wasn't made for, uh, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. There was a whole different orientation. One of the things that changed when Jesus came into the earth was it was no longer at that point in time, up until that point in time, Judaism was about Israel. Judaism was about God's covenant with Abraham and the nation of Israel. When Jesus came, it was no longer about the nation of Israel. It was about people. Mm 
It was about individuals. It was about ministering to the needs of people. That is not a religion. See, if you want to go out there and present religion, present doctrine, I don't believe in going out into the world and preaching your doctrine. Good to know what you believe. I'm not against doctrine. I'm not against theology. But folks, them people out there, and I know that's bad English. I did it on purpose. Them people out there, they don't care what you believe about certain doctrinal issues. They care about the fact that they're hurting. They care about the fact that they need healing in their soul, in their body. They're caring about the fact that there's something wrong and they don't generally know even what it is. But there is a truth that humanity knows from the time of the Garden of Eden until today. Humanity knows that there is something that's, that's wrong and they don't know how to fix it. Right. They try and educate it away. We try and culture it away. We try and do all kinds of different things to get rid of it. But there is something inside that is wrong, and they don't know what it is. That's right. You know what it is? They're not born again. That's right. <laughs> and if they're not born again, all the other stuff is nothing but surface solutions. I believe in meeting felt needs of people. If, they are, if they're hungry, give them food. If they need clothes, give them clothes. I believe in all that. But that in itself is not going to solve the problem of humanity. Now, I don't know, you know, you may have whatever ideas you have about guns and all that gun violence that's out there. The problem, and I'm not making any kind of political statement here, I'm telling you the problem is not with having guns. The problem is we are raising people without standards, without structure, without without a communication of life, without a communication of what's right and what's wrong. And so they look at these things and I'm I'm I I play video games even today. Yes I'm old but I still play them. <laughs> but I think that we as parents need to think about whether it's really necessary to have video games where people's heads are exploding when you shoot them. I'm off on a tangent there. You, you do deal with that what you want. I just believe the problem is not whether or not there are guns in a society. The problem is the society. And the problem is the human in the society. Jesus said there's only one way. You know, you can, you can analyze it, you can look at the words, you can look at the definitions, you can look at the, at the culture of the time. There's really, you know, you can look at all the, and I believe in looking at the culture and all that, I do that all the time. But the truth is, there is no culture that explained what it meant to be born again. That's right. I mean, a guy that knew the culture better than anybody else, better than anybody else said, what? Mm-hmm. But Jesus said, this is the problem. This is what has to happen. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. All right, moving along as quickly as I can, turn to Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 2. They changed the way this computer works, and I don't like it. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3. Listen to this. What's the problem? Where did the problem begin? What is it that's wrong with humanity? You're going to hear, I'm going to read something that's going to go completely against the controlling philosophical idea that drives 
everything from socialism to inclusionism and whatever, all that stuff that's out there. Pastor Josh did a good job of breaking all that down and why it's not right. You want to know what's driving it? Here's what's driving it. The world believes that the human being is inherently good. And since they're inherently good, all you have to do is treat them well and everybody will be fine. Well, I believe in treating people well, don't you? But that's not the problem. That's right. Listen to the problem. Paul, now Jesus said you must be born again. Here Paul says, and you have made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You, he made alive. Who you? You who were born again. Made alive. Don't those two things go together? How was I made alive as a human? I was born. That's right. I was made alive as a spiritual person when I was born again. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. You he made alive who were dead. Who were dead? How many of you were dead when you got saved? Amen. See, you're talking spiritually. How many of you were physically dead when you got saved? Nope. <laughs> you weren't physically dead. But Paul says, you he made alive who were dead. What's the problem in society? We're dead. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> what kind of dead? I don't have time to go into the detail that I would like to. If I were still pastoring here, this would be an eight-week session. <laughs> no doubt about it. But I feel like I've got to at least give you a, a little bit of what, what I feel like God wants us to get a hold of. The problem is, God created man in his, you study this, in his image and likeness. God created man, he said, let us make man in our own image. Everything Now, when God made man, if you look at Genesis, chapter 1 is the overview, chapter 2 is, how, is, the, is when he's putting the focus on man. And he changed how he made things. He formed man's body out of the dust of the ground. He, nothing was happening with that body. It was just a dead lump of gray clay until God breathed into it the breath of life. What did he breathe in? Not just breath. He breathed in his own life. He breathed in a being, a person, a spirit. We are spirit, we are soul, we are body. We are spirit, essentially. We have a soul, emotions, intellect, and will, and we live in a body. Mm -hmm. The body that God made for us was dead without the spirit. How, did, how come you think you die when your spirit, your body dies? Why does your body die when your spirit is? Because it was never meant to be alive without it. Now, there are those who disagree with me, including people I highly respect, but they're wrong. <laughs> I may not be the pastor here right now, but I still started this place, and my opinion has weight. So, anyway, they're wrong. But I believe this deeply. What happened in the very next chapter, chapter 3, the Bible says that, uh, that the devil tempted Eve. She partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one that God didn't want them to know what was right and wrong. He just wanted to be the one to tell them. We do a lousy job when we decided ourselves. And so she took of that fruit, and it wasn't until Adam partook of it with her, and again, I, there's a lot to this, but when Adam partook of it, something happened. 
All of a sudden they knew that they were naked. Why? Because there was a person in here. There was a being in here that was so alive and so connected with God that their body really didn't matter that much. It could be what God wanted it to be. Because there was all of this activity between them and God. There was a vital connection between them and God. They were alive. And then at that moment, the Bible says, in the Hebrew it says, in dying you shall surely die. God said, the day you eat of it, of the fruit of that tree, in dying you will surely die. But they didn't. They lived hundreds of years after that. So what dying? That part that was connected to God. That inward man, that man that was in the image and likeness of God, something changed there. He was joined, not to God anymore, but there was a vital joining to the nature of Satan, God's mortal enemy. Satan gained control over the whole of humanity. The Bible says in the book of Romans that death passed upon all men, even those that did not sin after Adam's sin. Something happened to all humanity. Now, there was a break in that to a degree called the law. He said death reigned from Adam to Moses. What happened during Moses? The law came. See, we have an oddball idea, and that is that law and grace are opposites. They are not. The law was the grace of God under the old covenant Mm -hmm. because it was the best he could do for Mm him. But we are saved by grace through faith. Faith is the opposite of law. That we believe. That we believe God. Now what happened here? Okay, let's let's move on. I'm getting lost again. You guys are used to shorter preaching than I do. He says, you were made on who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, And of the mind, for we were by nature, everybody say nature. Nature. We were by nature children of wrath. Children, who is wrath? What is wrath? Wrath comes from the devil. There is a wrath of God, but that's entirely different. You were children of wrath. By nature, by nature, by nature. What's wrong with humanity? The nature. We, Paul says, everybody, all of us, you were made alive. You got out of that. How? You were born again. Everybody was born. Now, do I believe babies are born uh, corrupt? I don't. I believe that there's a, a time and place in the development of a human being. Paul said, I was alive once without the law, but when the law came, sin revived and I died. I think there's a time in in terms of accountability where something changed. I I, I won't go into it, but I remember the day it happened to me. I honestly do. And so we have a problem in, in, in humanity, and that is all of those out there 
you're, no, you're just being exclusive. You're just saying we're better than everybody else. No, I'm saying our condition is better than anybody else. I'm no better than anybody else because I was the same as they were. But I'm not the same as they are now. We were by nature children of wrath. What is a nature? It's what comes natural. You, those of you who've been here a while have heard this illustration, but there's some new folks. If you put a guy in a, in a cage with a lion, you can teach that lion to respond to the whip or the chair or the gun. But when that guy looks, or when that lion looks at that guy, he does not see his master. He sees his lunch because he is by nature a carnivore. And he, you know, given given an opportunity, he will revert to that nature. Now, I know there are stories about their lions who didn't, but. Generally speaking, 99.999% of the... I don't know about you, but I ain't getting an okay to no lion. <laughs> I am not petting a lion because I think I probably will lose my hand in the process. <laughs> a fish is by nature a fish. It lives in the water. It swims by nature. It doesn't, you know what? That's what that fish does not have to take swimming lessons. That's right. <laughs> I swim like a human. She swims like a fish. <laughs> I swim like a human. But you see, nature is what is natural to anything, any creature. We were created by nature. Oh, come on, somebody get this. We were created by nature, children of an almighty, loving God. Corruption came through sin, and because of that sin, we as a race became by nature children of wrath. The, the, the humanistic world says people are by nature uh, they're, 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 they're inherently or by nature they're good but the Bible just told us we are by nature children of wrath so what happened? we learned to control that wrath we built societies to, to control it we built educational systems to control it we even made religious systems to control it but see here's the thing Christianity is not a religious system because Christianity does not seek to control that nature that's right Christianity changes Amen. that nature. Amen. I am no longer what I was. I am no longer a child of wrath. Listen, how could all of these terrible dictators do to people what they did? Because they were by nature children of wrath. And when you let that nature go unchecked, you get serial killers, you get murderers, you get, you get uh, people who commit atrocities in the name of government, you get people who don't care about anybody else, who just do what they do. What's wrong with capitalism? Everybody's down on capitalism. Nothing. It's the nature of the capitalists. That's the problem. You change the nature of the capitalist, and that's Amen. We were, you were, Paul says, we all were, by nature, children of wrath. But we, he made alive. I want to look at a, a, the, the next verse there. And I have to change something to do it. There we go. Uh, glory to God. I love technology. Why they got to change it? In Ephesians chapter 3. We go down to, I mean two, we go down to verse four. Listen to this. This is so wonderful. I love this. Among whom we all had conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as everybody else. See, you're no better than anybody else. Just something wonderful happened to you. Amen. But God! Woo! I like those kind of buts. But God! 
who is rich in mercy. See, that was supposed to be our nature. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Hallelujah. We were dead. We're alive now. How did we get to be alive? We got born again. Are you following what I'm trying to get across to us today? That there is nothing else. There is no other solution. Now, when we get born again, certain things happen. I'm going to take. I'm going to close it shortly in Jesus' name. With uh, with talking a little bit about what happens and 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 that kind of thing and what we have access to, but that doesn't change the fact that we still have to grow into what we were made. I don't know about you. Now we got these four little human beings with us. We got these three little kids. Sometimes it feels like four <laughs> And we're a little older than we were last time we had three inside. And so these three human beings, they started out, couldn't do a thing. But were they any less human? The three that we have with us, one is six, one is four, and one is two. And uh, they all have varying capabilities. The six-year-old has learned how to be a human more than the four-year-old. The four-year-old has learned more than the two-year-old. The two-year-old really doesn't care at this point. He just wants what he wants. <laughs> and it's all funny. Or a tragedy. One of the other. <laughs> I told him this morning, sit there and eat your cereal. There's no crying. There's nothing to cry about. He sat there for what, 20 minutes at the table. It was a tragedy. I asked him to eat his cereal. Because, but, but does that mean that he's not, he's less human than the four-year-old? Less human than the six-year-old? Of course not. You grow. You learn things. When you were first born again, and I think those of us here may be at different levels of this. If, you know, I got saved 50 years ago, plus. I've learned a few things in 50 years. When you're first born as a human being, you don't know the language. You don't understand things. You, you, people talk to you, you know, and for the first, what, year or more, year anyway, all they're hearing is, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> they don't understand. I mean, sometimes, you know, when we're young in the Lord, sometimes he's talking to us and we're hearing, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> We don't get it. We don't understand why we can't do certain things. We don't understand why we have to do certain things. You have to grow. You have to develop. But you are a Christian the moment you receive Jesus as Lord. How do you become a Christian? Uh, do you go to seminary? Do you go to, you know, you, you really, <laughs> I grew up a Catholic. You know, I, I got into this. I, I don't have a whole lot of, it's not like I grew up in a Pentecostal church or something like that. I was a Catholic, a bad Catholic, but I was a Catholic. <laughs> and my, you know, I did the communion and the, confirmation and that sort of thing and whatnot. I didn't I didn't know anything. But the moment I got born again, I didn't I didn't go to the Baptist church and then okay I'm saved. I got saved before I ever went to a church other than the Catholic Church. Matter of fact I got saved and went back to the Catholic Church and the priest gave me some cockamamie stuff to do and I said, you know what, this ain't what I'm experiencing. Because it's not about religion. It's about relationship. 
Christianity is, in its essence, a relationship. I know you know this, but do you know this? Are you, are you committing to the reality of the fact that we are not bringing to the world around us some religious set of principles and ideals? There are all kinds of principles. There are all kinds of things to learn, and I love learning them, and I've applied them in my life. But that's not how I got saved. I became a Christian by, by the word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe that applies to any kind of faith, but it's in the context of salvation. How did I get saved? This, this, this young lady, by the way, next Thursday. Friday. That's what I said, next Friday. <laughs> we will be married 50 years. Amen. But before we got married, she invited me to come to Youth for Christ meeting. And too, too long a story to go into, but one thing led to another, and I got born again. Hallelujah. I didn't join a Baptist church and become a Christian. I got born again. I felt, I saw, I experienced something in here. I was seeking for something in here. Let me tell you something else about the world out there. They don't know what they're looking for, but they're looking for Jesus. That's right. The problem is we're not showing them Jesus. We may be showing them religion. We may be showing them ourselves. On a, you know, and everybody has bad days. Come on, don't, don't think that I, every day, don't ask my wife. <laughs> but are we showing them Jesus or are we showing them what we believe I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about the, the church at Corinth he said when I came to you I determined to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified and I came to you in a demonstration of the power of God and the spirit of God so that your faith would rest in the power of God and not the wisdom of men Paul knew more than I know and he surely knows more than you know but he said, I'm going to put that all back here. I'm not going to go out there. My problem witnessing is I want to teach them about Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> it's just what I am. I've been doing it my whole life. But that's not what they need. They need Jesus and him crucified. How do you get born again? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, and 10, it's not just the Roman road to salvation. Probably most of you never even heard that. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, are uh, kind of a quick start guide. What does it take to get born again? You must. Everybody say you must. You must. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Why? Because Paul said in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, if Christ be not made, we are of all men most miserable, and none of this means anything. We must believe. It's not a myth. It's not our Christian mythology. It is a fact. Can we prove it? Well, in some ways maybe, but I don't really think it matters if we prove it or not. The Bible says it's so. I believe it. I believe, come on, I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I believe it. Why do we have to believe that? Because that represents the thought. It says, 
uh, we believe uh, unto salvation, believing that what Jesus did, he did for me. Come on, somebody. I believe that what Jesus did, that what I heard about, somebody spoke it to me. Listen, what you need to be taking out into the world is what Jesus called, what Paul called the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I'm not talking about trying to manipulate the conversation and, and all that kind of, I think you need to love people. I think you need to see people. I think you need to interact with people. I've never been an interactor with people. I really haven't. I just I'm I'm very comfortable with people who don't talk back to me. <laughs> I like that. And I don't, you know, so why don't you ask directions? It's just a man thing. No, I just don't really like talking to individuals. <laughs> but I realize that if I don't do that, how am I ever going to communicate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to them? So I've started, listen, you, you can laugh at me if you want, but I've started by saying like, good morning to people that I don't know. Yeah, big time. How you doing? I mean it. Just trying to open up the door. Just trying to open up. But if all you put, uh, uh, go, if all you take through, the, you try and say this many words a lot. If all you take through that door is just your personality or just I'm a nice person, yada, 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 that's not going to save them. That may get them to kind of open up a little bit. But what we have to get to them is that Jesus died for your sin. Now, listen, I'm throwing it out here in church where we all understand what that means. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say it to the people that you have to deal with in a way that they can relate to. But we need to know, what are we bringing them? We're bringing them the fact that Jesus died for their sin. That nature, not, not just their sins. It says in, in Isaiah that, uh, that he took away our transgressions and our iniquity. Those are two different words. The transgressions are the things they did. The iniquity, we do. The iniquity is the nature that caused them, caused us to do it. God wants to do it. We need to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. We need to believe that his death, burial, and resurrection was for me. Now listen, if you're in here today and you just came because it's a really nice church, you need to examine this. Do you believe that God, I mean, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead understanding that that resurrection was the payment for that old nature that I walked in. And everything that I've ever done, oh, somebody give God praise. I have been forgiven for every single mistake I've ever made. Amen. And every sin, because there's a difference. You know, we want, well, I just made a mistake. But there are sins. That's when you go against the nature of God and you know you're doing it. Don't tell me you never do. I have been forgiven of every sin I ever committed and the ones before I got born again are completely gone. What about the ones that happen now? Don't look at me and say you never sinned. God put it in the Bible. He said, when you sin, if you sin, confess your sin and God is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. See, when you sin today, it doesn't send you to hell. It creates a blockage. It creates something between you and God. He says, just bring it to me. People get all upset if you talk about repentance. 
Maybe you need to repent today. Maybe you've got stuff in your life that you know shouldn't be there. Yeah. Repent! No, no, no. Repentance is this. Come on home. Mm-hmm. Just come home. Mm-hmm. God loves you. He didn't stop loving you when you committed that mess. And there may be consequences you're going to have to live through because you committed that mess. But he never stopped loving you. He's just saying, come on home. But if you won't take the responsibility that you did something wrong, how are we ever going to come home? I got to go. I got to go. And let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll kind of wrap it up with this. I know. I know. I brought my tablet in and Brother Mark said, uh-oh. 2 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 5. Now Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be. Paul said the reason you must be born again is that there is a nature problem that has to be changed. What is Christianity? It's so, it's so amazing when you think about it. No other religion uh, claims this. You become a Buddhist and you go through a lifelong transformation. You become a Hindu and I don't know what they they're strange. Even Islam doesn't believe this. You know what Christianity teaches? It's the most radical thing in the human experience. Christianity teaches if any man be in Christ, how did you get in Christ? You get born again. How did you get born again? I didn't finish that part. Sorry, let me go back. You must believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And you must confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. How do I get born again? i got to believe this stuff. And the word of God, as we share the word, it may not be specifically the word on salvation, but as we share the word of God with people, we, as we share with them our experience, as we, you know, because this is not about bringing somebody into your doctrinal experience. It's about introducing people to your friend, to your Savior, to your Lord. As we do that, and as in the process of doing that, we reach out to them and pray for them. Show concern, but not just concern, show a solution. Pray for the sick. What if they don't get healed? What if they do? Mm-hmm. The only thing at stake might be your reputation. Ah, oh, this is tough. You must confess. You've got to accept Jesus, Lord. Listen, every one of your children that gets saved as a little one, he's got to deal with the Lordship of Jesus. So do you and I. He's in charge. I'm not in charge anymore. My life is not my own. He's my Lord. And it's believing in the in the debt paid and the access to salvation and then confessing Jesus as Lord or allowing him to be Lord in my life is how this stuff begins to work outwardly in my life. Very quickly. The rest of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how did you get in Christ? You had to be born again. How did you get born again? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Uh, old things, old things, old things are passed away. If any man is in Christ, old things, what things? The old nature. Come on, are you getting this? If I'm in Christ, that old nature's gone. Well, I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. No, you were a poor old sinner. You got saved by grace. You're not a sinner anymore. You may sin, but you're not a sinner. That's right. Oh, mm-hmm. three people got that. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> if anyone is in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Not renovated. That word does not mean renovated. Old things, all things have become something that never existed before. If anyone is in Christ, if you are born again here today, old things have become new. All things, old things have passed away. I'll get it out. And all things have become new. Right now. The moment it happened. You still have to grow into it. You still have to put the word in your heart and mind. I'd love to get into that. That's a whole other message, but I won't. I'll try. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And in verse 21 it says, For he, uh, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, I'm righteous. That's, that's, a, that's, that's not a religion word. That's a legal word. Right with. When you pass, I found out, I, 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 the little boy's father is a policeman in uh, Rocky Mountain, Virginia, and I got to do a ride-along with him. And you know how when you're coming up on a cop and you see the cop and you put on your brakes thinking that's going to help? <laughs> they can read you from a mile back. <laughs> and when do, well, what happens when you, when you go past that cop at 70? You feel unrighteous. Because <laughs> I'm not right with that cop right now. And you're praying for mercy. Oh, God, you <laughs> I, if anyone's in Christ, we have been made. I don't make myself. Somebody else made me right with God. The moment I said, yes, Jesus, I believe that you have you were raised from the dead for my payment for my sin, and I confess I receive you as the Lord of my life. Something happens. What happens? You are born. Everybody stand. That gives you hope. What's it mean to be born again? Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I was praying about this this morning. I preached this my whole Christian life. When you were conceived as a human, when you came to the, of course you were born nine months later, but when that Conception happened. A seed, a seed came into a physical egg, fertilized that egg. And that is why I believe with all my heart that life, human life, begins at conception. There's really no other logical conclusion. That's what caused you to be born. Now, there was a process, nine months, I know that. But you were born of a seed. Without the seed, there can be no birth. When you were born again, what happened to you? The Bible says, Peter says that there was an incorruptible seed called the Word of God. And that incorruptible seed, where did it go? When I accepted Jesus, when I said, Lord, I, I accept your sacrifice, I confess you as Lord, where did that seed go? You remember how we were created? 
in the image and likeness of God. But that part of us died. That part of us got corrupted. That part of us got separated. Where does that seed go? It goes back to that heart that was created in the image and likeness of God. And I don't know. I don't know if you're getting this. But something so supernatural happens. The death that was in us. He doesn't take the death out. He transforms the death into life. I was born again. That that nature that was a product of the corruption of the fall. The word of God went into me. And I, I was born again. By the will of God, it says, you know, you had no say in whether you got born. But you do have a say in whether you get born again. Because we have to accept it. Why is this so important? I'm looking around here. I know most of you, I believe, most if not all of you have already experienced this. Why am I going through this today? Because you need to know, not just in some surface way, you need to understand that we're not going out there and offering them a philosophy or a religion or just a way of life. Because that would keep them on the road to hell. We are sent. Jesus said, as the Father sends, send me, I send you. Paul said, go into the world. Uh, and, and in this section, 2 Corinthians 5, he said, when you go, he said, you are ambassadors for Christ as though God was seeking him through you. But what are you taking? You don't have to be the way you are. Again, I'm not talking about trying to manipulate some conversation. But knowing I have something for you. All of that anger, all of that hurt, all of that pain, I have something for you that absolutely will take it all away. It doesn't mean the emotions go right away, but there's a solution to that too. But I have something that can change you at such a fundamental level. Nobody offers this. I'm not asking you, and this is what we're saying to the world, I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm not asking you to change your behavior. But I want you to know that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried for the spiritual payment of everything you've ever done wrong. And he was raised to newness of life for your life. So you can have that. You have it. Today, in this room, right now, I want you to understand something. Every sin has been forgiven. The legal hold that the devil has on every one of us has been broken. Used to be before sickness, disease, and sin. That was our heritage, but it's not anymore. Paul said that, that we have been redeemed from the curse. That makes us heir to a new life. My brother and sister, today, if you're dealing with something, if you're dealing with sickness in your body, lift your hand right now. We're just going to pray. I'm not going to take time and bring it forward today, but we're going to pray. Father, I thank you that you redeemed us, spirit, soul, and body. Brother Hilton talked about it. 
that you redeemed us not just in our mind and in our in our hearts, very powerful, but Father, you even redeemed us in our body. And Father, I pray for those that are struggling against sickness. I don't believe that's the will of God for anybody. And so, Father, we just ask you to touch us right now. Lord, the things that are wrong in our body, you can make them right. Father, I pray for those who are struggling in their emotions right now. They may not even be here, but we pray for those that are here and those that are not even here. Father, there are those out there that are part of this body, but they're struggling in their emotions. They're struggling in their heart. Father, we pray for them. Struggling in their relationships, we pray for them. We ask you to touch them in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for each other. Just reach out and touch them. Father, we pray for each other. Lord, we pray for our neighbor on the left, our neighbor on the right, our husband, our wife. Reveal to us the depth of what was done when we received Jesus as Lord. Help us to understand that that Christianity is not really a religion at all. It is a relationship that people, that man has not seen since the Garden of Eden, but that we have been restored into that image and likeness of God. And Lord, we're still here on the earth even after we get saved so that we can introduce other people to those around us. Father, I pray for everyone in this room that as they go about their business this week, that you will be with them. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Lord, you have given us nine wonderful manifestations that we can take into the community. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning the spirits, uh, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues you've given us miracles and gifts of healings and special faith. Father, help us. Lord, we don't understand all that. Many maybe don't understand it at all, but but they're there for us to help those people around us. But they only work if we love them as much as you love the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. But I want you to know something. He gave you and me as well. Father, we thank you for what you've done in us. Lord, I receive right now, every one of us, we need to receive the reality and the power of the new birth. I am born again. Say it with me. I am born again. Say it again. I am born again. I'm not what I was. There may be things left. But you're working on that too. But I am not what I was. I am born again in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Well, God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. Welcome, let's